Hey everybody, welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. This is our third episode on TV theme songs. Indeed, this time we're going 1985 to 1989. Yes. These are the top five theme songs from our experience, plus two honorable mentions. Yeah, we'll each give an honorable mention. We'll each list our top five. Whenever we're done, hit us up and tell us whether you think we got it right or tell us whether you think we got it wrong. What we'll do is kind of tease up each of these, try to guess, you know, know ahead because we haven't gone over our list with each other right right we These, don't know our prior two episodes have given some clues about what's coming but you may not have heard those yet be sure and go check those out but jason and i don't know what each other's lists are the rules of the game are it doesn't have to be exclusively 85 to 89 just kind of has to hit that sort of sweet spot so there are a lot of shows that went on so long that they definitely overlapped a couple of these time periods we're dealing with the other is you don't get to have any songs that were not written specifically for the TV series, which means we lose out on Golden Girls, we lose out on The Wonder Years, we lose out on Bosom Buddies. I mean, there's a ton of great... Married with Children. Yeah, yeah, great theme songs that just took a song from somewhere else. We're not covering any of those today, which is a pity. But we had to limit this list somehow. Now, I will tell you this, my friend. Yo. It was way... Easier for me to find a whole bunch of songs to pick from from our last episode than it is this episode. No doubt. As a matter of fact, I specifically said to you, there were a couple of songs that I had as honorable mentions in on my last episode. And what I did was to go, nope, I'm taking those over and I'm moving them to the next episode. Pushing them off. Huh? Because, hey, they, they hit somewhere in the time period that we're talking about. Okay, well, I did that with one. Okay. I pushed right. it off. Okay. So, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's dive in, man. Let's dive in. Guys, these are these are episodes that we love doing. Be sure and go and check out those old episodes, but it's just fun to talk about these songs. So let's get going. Okay. Number five. Five. All right. So, my number five, I told you that I'm trying to separate the theme song from the show because I would rate the show higher than number five for this time period. Okay, okay. okay so I enjoyed the show better than I enjoyed the song. Okay. In fact, I told you last night <laughs> that it's not really all that great of a song. <laughs> right. But I associate it so fondly with the show yeah. that it's going to be high on my list. This song was sung by Al Jarreau. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I 100% uh, know what you're talking about. Some screen. walk by night, <laughs> some fly by day. That's it, man. Some walk by night, some fly by day. Nothing could change So, the series is called Moonlighting. Right? I'm not sure what the song is called, but... That's it. The song is actually called Moonlighting. Oh, well, that's creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this song reached number 23 on the Hot 100 in 1986 yeah. and reached number one on the Adult Contemporary Chart. It also won two Grammys in 1988, one for Best Male Pop Vocal, one for Best Song Written for a Motion Picture or Television. Although it is not my style of music, this is a song that is very enjoyable to listen to, and there's such strong nostalgia when I hear that song that I'm definitely with you. This I'm is, with you. This is worthy. I think next year we need to do an episode, Miami Vice versus Moonlighting. Ooh. Television see, show to television show. That would be a tough one. I know what I would pick. 
I no, I don't know what you would pick. I, I love both. You are yeah, you're a you're a hard fanboy on both of those. I am. I am. Yeah, that'd be an interesting episode. Okay. All right, ready for my number five? What's your number five? All right, you ready? Ready. This show involves four special forces unit members tried by a court martial for a crime <laughs> they did not commit. And one guy who's so ill-tempered and he can never fly. This is the A-Team. How are they going to knock out Mr. T this episode? <laughs> I told you they fire automatic weapons all the time and nobody ever gets shot. <laughs> so this is, this is really a great story. The guy who came up with this show had just gotten fired from ABC for not being able to come up with a show. Really? Yeah, the guy's name, I, you may have mentioned it when we were talking in our last episode, but the, the creators of the show are a couple of guys named Stephen Cannell and Frank Lupo. Stephen Cannell had just gotten fired from ABC. Brandon Tartikoff of NBC fame had hired them and said, give me a show, and this is what he came up with. And when he came to pitch it to him, he said... Okay, it's a combination of The Dirty Dozen and Mission Impossible and Magnificent Seven and Mad Max and Hill Street Blues. <laughs> what? What? With Mr. T driving a car. <laughs> that, that was his pitch. Oh, man, Mr. T. Really, at that moment, Mr. T was such an icon in the 80s. Oh, sure. If you could have landed Mr. T, that, that's enough to get a green lane. This is, I mean, this show is 1983. By the way, first episode appeared after Super Bowl 17, 1983. Wow. Mr. T was about to become huge. In 1983. That's right. You know what's funny about yeah. Mr. T? Yeah. So he obviously played Clubber Lang in Rocky Three. Yes. He was also Todd Bridges' bodyguard, Todd Bridges' Willis of Different Strokes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He was a bouncer and a fighter and a bodyguard. Yeah. I have forgotten about that. Yeah. There you go. Fantastic. And I, I looked at Mr. T a little bit. You know, previously, just those rabbit holes that I go down for no particular reason at all. Uh-huh. But his Mr. T was so that people had to address him with respect. Yeah. Like he didn't like anybody calling him boy. And so you're going to call me Mr. Mr. T. Yeah. And he was a bouncer and people would forget or lose or maybe have ripped off their jewelry as things were getting heated. Uh-huh. And that is how he came to wear all of his gold chains. Wow. That's a good story. Yep. Okay. Uh, so... This music for the A-Team was written by a guy you may have heard of named Mike Post. Yeah. And a writing partner of his named Pete Carpenter. Same two guys who came up with the theme for Magnum P.I. These guys are studs, man. How many times have we said their name now? Uh, I don't know. A bunch. Yep. Take another shot. Okay. Your turn. Tell me what you got for number four, sir. Four. All right, so this show ran from 1982 to 1989, but the show really didn't become a hit hit until 1984 when it was slotted after the Cosby show. Gotcha, gotcha. And then it got a boost of rocket fuel Yeah. when the star was in a movie, one of the biggest movies of 1985. So this has to be Family Ties. Together for a million years, and I bet 
Absolutely. The song is called Without Us. Okay? This song was written by Jeff Barry and Tom Scott, which you talked about in our last episode. Yeah. They were the guys who came up with the Jeffersons. Oh, there we go. Okay. So they did the Jeffersons. They did Do A Diddy Diddy. Da Do Ron Ron Ron. Ron Ron. <laughs> yeah. They also did Then He Kissed Me. Oh, yeah. Okay? The leader of the pack. And as you said, the song that inspired Joe Elliott to write Pour Some Sugar On Me. Sugar, sugar by the Archies. Sugar, sugar by the Archies. Fantastic. Yeah. By the way, we've talked about this song already in a previous episode. The first 10 episodes of Family Ties. Yeah. The singers were Dennis Trifano and Minnie Sterling. After that, they said, you know what? Let's give this uh, theme song a boost by giving it some better voices. Okay. So Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams took over. Oh, Denise Williams, though. That would have probably been from our uh, Footloose album, correct? Footloose soundtrack episode. She sang the song, Let's Hear It For The Boy. Because what he does, he does so well. Love it, dude. There you go. Number four to you, sir. Okay. I'm, I'm going to try to blow your mind with a little trivia before I even tell you what the show is or the song. Are okay. you ready? Yeah. Okay. So two episodes of the show, and I had a ton of episodes, yes. but two episodes of the show was written by our friend, Mr. Steven D'Souza of 80s fame, especially Die Hard. Yes. And one of the episodes was written by Richard Matheson, whose son would go on to be part of the writing team that wrote Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Richard Matheson wrote I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah. Come on. So, okay, I'm giving you more clues without telling you what this is. Okay, now hang on. Yeah. I know Stephen D'Souza worked on The Six Million Dollar Man. It's not that. That That's 70s. 70s, yes. Okay, keep going. Okay, there is an actor that is involved with this show key actor involved with this show, who is also involved with another 80s show called St. Elsewhere, which, I mean, very well could be on this list, right? Great sure. intro song on St. Elsewhere. And he was also involved in a movie from the 60s that had a fantastic soundtrack where he played Dustin Hoffman's dad. He was the dad in The Graduate. But you never see his face in this TV show. You only hear his voice. Are you talking about his character is a car? This is Knight Rider. You got it. (laughs) This is the guy who plays the judge in the Bruce Willis movie Blind Date. Don't believe a word he says, Your Honor. He's crazy. Order. Order in the court. Sorry, Agnes. Oh, my goodness. This With is John like, Larroquette and Kim Basinger. Yeah, William Daniels. Yes, was William the, Daniels. William Daniels was the name of the guy who played Kid. He was Dr. Craig on St. Elsewhere. He was Mr. Raddick or something like that on The Graduate. He is the voice of Kit. Of course, we have the introduction of David Hasselhoff to the world. The Hoff. Yes, the Hoffster, the Hoffman. We talked about this in a previous episode. Uh-huh. You've got a dude who assumes an identity yep. and a talking car. And I'm in. That's it. Yeah. That's all I need. It's got a cool little light that goes oh. along the hood. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I wanted that. Yeah. 
By the way, just a little trivia bit on Ready Player One, the car that he created, the Ecto-88, I believe is what it was called, was a combination of the DeLorean from Back to the Future, the Ghostbusters car, and Kit from Knight Rider. We really need to have a top five 80s vehicles conversation one of these days. We definitely do. By the way, I have to think that the A-Team is the only show in history that made a van cool. (laughs) That's right. The music in this episode is by a guy named Glenn Larson. You mentioned him in our last episode. He did The Fall Guy. He was a member of The Four Preps with Ed Cobb, who is the guy that wrote Tainted Love. I mean, pretty cool little mix-up of stuff that we've got there. Fantastic. Love it. Love it. All right, so we're on to my number three. Three. My number three, you mentioned in our last episode. Okay. This is a police drama that was above my head at this age. (laughs) Right, right. This show ran from 1981 to 1988. The song is written by our man Mike Post, and it is a piano over a intense police siren. This song, of course, is from Hill Street Blues. I mean, I, I will listen to that song every day. It's a great song, right? And, I, and he came up with it in half an hour. It's I mean, incredible. he came up with a half an hour. That guy's a stud. He is. Now, some of the other things, like he also did NYPD Blue, which is, again, Stephen Bosco, same group of guys, right? Here, the, Here's the story on that one, by the way. I know we're probably not going to mention that particular show. Yeah. Stephen Bosco and the other creator of NYPD get together for lunch. And so he's like, come on, guys, tell me about this show. What are we going to do? And Stephen Bosco's like, we're thinking maybe it just starts with just drums. And he's like, you mean like Hawaii Five O or something? He's like, no, 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 just drums. And he's like, okay. Right. And then the other, he's like, well, what's your thought? And the other guy's like, my word is the subway. And he's like, are you guys freaking kidding me here? You're giving me drums in the subway and I'm supposed to come up with a song from that, right? <laughs> so that one took him three weeks and he had a little bit of an inspiration from the drums in In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. So when you hear this song, know that he was thinking drums, the subway, and Phil Collins. Okay, yeah, I can see that. It's really cool. The crashing of the drums, right? The hard pounding drums. Yep. I'm going to talk about a song here in a minute that is sort of tangential to Phil Collins. Okay. Ready for my number three? I'm ready for your number three. I'm thinking I'm going to throw you a curveball on this one. I hope that I do. I hope that I do. I love curveballs. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to tell you that we've talked about the creator of this show before. Okay. We've talked about the composer for this show before. I'm going to tell you that another composing duo was involved with this show for one episode. The episode was called The Family Dog. And the composer that is not the composer of the theme music, but was the composer for that episode, is Danny Elfman and his guitarist from Oingo Boingo, Stephen Bartek. Okay? But the series was created by somebody that we've talked about before and a composer that you always keep together with that guy. Got anything? Well, I thought I had it, and then you threw me off. Okay. I'll give you one more hint. Okay. Another episode of this show was supposed to be a story called 
batteries not included, but the show creator liked it so much that he decided to direct an entire movie called Batteries Not Included. Oh my gosh, this has to be... So this is Steven Spielberg. You got it. Amazing Stories? You got it. Yes! So, of course, that amazing music is by John Williams. Oh, Always man. that you put together. I mean, you, you can hear it. Once you hear it, you go, oh, yeah, I hear Indiana Jones and Jaws and all of the other obvious John Williams wow. themes in there. It is one of my favorite theme musics from the late 80s. Great uh, show, Amazing Stories, which was kind of a Twilight zone kind of deal. One of my favorite episodes had Mark Hamill in it where he was... A, kind of a hoarder and then ended up becoming rich from hoarding stuff because they all became antiques show only ran from 85 to 87 but i thought it was a brilliant show wow i have not thought about that show in forever i thought i might throw you a curve that's a good one okay i like it all right okay all right so here's my curveball to you okay two (sighs) this is a little tricky because i could have literally put this in Early 70s, which we haven't done. Late 70s, yeah. early 80s, yeah. late 80s. Okay. okay. So it, it I've was, got a guess. Okay. Is it The Love Boat? No. It's okay. not Love Boat. All right, okay. go ahead. All right. So the name of this song, it's known as Heavy Action. That's the title of the song. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Now, it was written by this guy named Johnny Pearson. He's British. The song was commissioned by the BBC. Now, okay, I'm telling you, this is a curveball. It has since become synonymous with a sports show in the UK called Superstars. The first four notes have become synonymous with American sport as well. Let me play this for you and see what you think. I can see you're stumped. I am completely and totally stumped. Okay. Hold on to your socks. Okay. So the TV show that you're talking about is Monday Night Football? I'm talking about Monday Night Football. <laughs> okay, that is a bit of a curveball. I was I was really struggling. I wasn't thinking about sports shows, but, well, obviously that is unmistakable. Yeah, so this is the song that they would play behind Howard Cosell as he's, like, recapping the highlights. And for me, my football awakening happened kind of in the early to mid-80s, and so for me, that's, that's a big deal. Monday Night Football was huge to me, and so... Heavy action. Johnny Pearson. Love it. Great one. That's a great one. It did not become the official theme for Monday Night Football until 1989. 19 years after it was composed. Wow. That is crazy. That is awesome. There you go. Okay. So we're on to my number two, right? I have a prediction that I'm going to make right now. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. I believe that my number two is your number one. Probably. And so, and so I'm going to hold off until we do honorable mentions. Okay. And then I'm going to give you the lead in and I'll see if we'll see if I'm right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Like so it. here we go. Yeah. Honorable mentions. We'll come back to Jason's number one and maybe my number two. I don't know. And then my number one. All right. So my first honorable mention is a song written and composed by John Bettis 
and Steve Dorf. Okay. okay. Steven Dorf? He's an actor, right? The Dorf man. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, B.J. Thomas, 1970s singer. My dad loved B.J. Thomas. Yep. He sings the first season by himself. Yeah. Then in the second season, he teams up with a lady we've talked about, Jennifer Warrens. Yeah. And then in season four, they drop Jennifer Warrens and they add Dusty Springfield, another lady we've talked about. Yeah. And the song, of course, goes to the TV show, Growing Pains. Starring Kirk Cameron and Mr. Alan Thicke, who wrote one of the TV shows that we talked about in our prior, the, one of the TV show theme songs that we talked about in our prior episode. And I'm not sure how it fell off my list, but he also wrote something that's worthy of an honorable mention. And since you just did Growing Pains as your honorable mention, yeah. I'm going to boot it off of my list and insert this one. Okay. He also wrote the theme music for the TV show that was a spinoff of Different Strokes called The Facts of Life. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you got... Nice. Take the good, take the bad, take you both, then you have facts of life. Da, da, da. Nice, that's good. That's yeah. good. I like it. Yeah, so he and uh, his wife... Alan Thicke wrote that song? Yeah. Wow. It's crazy, right? That is crazy. By the way, Jennifer Warrens, just in case you don't know who she is, she is the singer on this song right here. Which, of course, we talked about on our Dirty Dancing episode. Be sure and go check that one out. We compared movie to movie and album to album, Dirty Dancing versus Saturday Night Fever. A great bunch of stories in all of those episodes. Yep. Okay, so honorable mention that I just gave to you was Facts of Life. Your honorable great mention song. was Growing Pains. If you got one more honorable I mention? I have one more honorable mention. Okay, I do too, but it was one that you already talked about. My other honorable mention was Moonlighting. We've covered it, so what have you got? I have Moonlighting higher on my list than you did. Yeah, you did. Wow, because we <laughs> talked about it. You yeah. said you really like that song. I do. Okay, so my honorable mention is bass heavy. In fact, it starts out, okay, very heavy on the bass, okay? I'm surprised I'm trying to that. disguise that, so, okay? Yeah. This was composed by a guy named Jack Elliott who wrote themes for Barney Miller, Huh? And Charlie's Angels. Yeah. I can't really tell you anything else other than you've got John Larroquette, you've got Marky Post. Oh, Night Court. Love Night it. Night Court. Yeah, that's a great one. Yes. Yeah, I love that little bass intro. Great. Yep. Great. Okay. Okay, so that's our honorable mentions. We're on to your number one. I'm going to start by... By giving you a little info on my number two, because I think it's the same song. I'm sure it is. But I just thought it was crazy that right after we've done the episode on Vivid with James Buckley, that I come across another member of the Mahavishnu Orchestra that we talked about. Yes. We're like, what? I mean, how often are you going to run across that orchestra? And we, I've done it twice in two episodes. I could not believe it when I saw that. Right. The keyboardist for the, oh, I mean, one of the keyboards, but a key keyboardist for the Mahavishnu Orchestra was a guy named 
Jan Hammer, who's gone on to compose a million other songs, but you probably best know him from this TV series that ran from 1984 to 1989. Am I wrong? Did I pick your number one? You nailed it. One. Miami Vice theme. Okay, D, before we get off of this one, uh-huh. okay, I don't actually I have a pretty good idea what your number one is. In fact, I think I know what it is. Okay. But this so far is the only song to hit number one on the Hot 100. Yeah. This song hit number one November 9th of 1985. It's mind blowing how popular this TV show was. Yep. The soundtrack was. Yep. I would love to take a deep dive on this soundtrack maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We talked about maybe doing this soundtrack versus the uh, Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack with Axel F on it. I think that'd be a great matchup to the do. The Miami Vice soundtrack. And just listen to this. Yeah. The week that this hit number one, your top five is We Built This City by Starship. Yep. You Belong to the City by Glenn Fry. Yep. Another song from the Miami Vice soundtrack. Yep. Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears. Yeah. We hope to cover that. Part-Time Lover by Stevie Wonder, which is a horrible song. <laughs> no, that's a good song. And then Miami Vice theme, number yeah. one. And I, I mentioned a little bit ago, in the pilot episode, you have the song In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, which was the what, part of the inspiration for the theme for from NYPD Blue by Mr. Mike Post. By the way, we are not sponsored by Tubi. But I'm going to throw out a commercial for them. Tubi has incredible content, including the entire series of Miami Vice. Sweet. Love it. Of which I'm working my way through right now. Nice. Uh, That show, of course, was created by Anthony Yekovich and largely Michael Mann. Also, season four, produced by Dick Wolf. Boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this brings us to your number one, which it has to be. Where everybody knows your name. You nailed it. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Yes. So, as we mentioned, several songs can go from one era to another era. This is one of those that stands the test of time. Jason put it in his as his number one spot in the previous episode that we did, our part two on this series uh, for 1980 through 1984. Obviously, this series went on into the 90s. You can put it on the 90s list, yeah. Sure. But this song... Beautiful. It is by a guy named Gary Portnoy. Jason mentioned in the last episode he was a guy who had never written a theme song before. He was a musician, obviously, but he had actually just gotten fired from his musical staff position. And a friend of his, who you mentioned in the last episode, who helped co-write this song, is sitting down to dinner with a Broadway producer. And the Broadway producer says, hey, do you know anybody who writes music? I'm looking for songs for my show. And she's thinking, Gary just got fired. Here's a chance for him to land on his feet. That's great. 
So they write this song for the show, and somehow it ends up a little bit later on in the hands of the Charles Brothers. My clue for you, had you not guessed this, by the way, my yes. clue for you was going to be, sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Good dog. And you would have gotten it right off the bat, I right? would have. I love Cheers. <clears throat> so here's just a, an, an interesting piece of information. My mom went to school with Glenn Charles and Les Charles. Really? My grandmother, her mother, was an administrator at that school that they grew up in in Nevada. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Thanks. So they, of course, created the show Cheers. They had gotten this song that was being featured in a Broadway musical, and they thought, perfect, except the Broadway producer said, no, you're not going to use my song. Right. And so, as you mentioned, they went back to the lady, Judy Hart Angelo, and said, can you come up with anything else? And what? how many songs did you say they sent? So they came up with My Kind of People, Rejected, and Another Day, Rejected. Right. And so this was kind of their final ditch effort. But when Glenn and Les Charles heard it, they were like, this is great. And then they thought, well, who's going to perform it? You know what? We like the way you sing it. Yeah. So Gary Portnoy, the writer of the song, is the man that you hear performing it. I mentioned on our last episode, I always thought, or I frequently thought that it sounded like Woody Harrelson singing. <laughs> and it, and I just feel like they updated the song a little bit over the years because it just had it had a more vibrant feel. Maybe they just remixed it. I'm not sure. Well, I did read that they yeah. they doubled him, they tripled him, and they quadrupled him to give it that sort of chorus thicker feel. I gotcha. Well, as it turns out, the Charles brothers were so confident in their ability to get it done that they did not even attend the recording session. Just said, you got this. And we have a song that is maybe, maybe the best song of the entire decade Absol for TV themes. Sure, sure. And maybe the best show of the entire decade. Yes. Now, the interesting thing was is that the show was dead last in the ratings when it first came out. Yeah. They had people who would call into the TV station and request the sheet music for that song. Nice. So the song was actually hit before the show was. That's fantastic. Boom. Great choice. By yeah. the way, those two guys also produced the TV series Taxi, which has a really very memorable theme song as well, uh, which reminds me, after we did our big episode... We had a guy on Instagram called the Origami Wizard. Go, yes. Go check out his Instagram page. Yeah, he does yeah. some cool stuff. But he hit us up and said, love the show. But you you mentioned that Tom Hanks was in Happy Days, but you didn't mention that he was also in Taxi. I went and looked it up, and sure enough, he was he was in an episode of Taxi, same time as Happy Days, had gotten fired from, or had lost Bosom Buddies, and he played like... Uh, Christopher Lloyd's pot brownie eaten <laughs> religious experience in front of a lava lamp guy is it's great little bit of trivia right there for you. Love it. Love it. Okay. So that concludes our late eighties top five. Come back next week. We have something awesome in store for you. Hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button so that you don't miss it. Thanks guys. See you next time. <laughs>